TED Audio Collective. Do you remember ever trying to get something done and feeling like someone was watching your every move? And then, of course, the moment you're in charge of something that depends on other people, you do exactly the same thing? Yep, I've experienced that too. Micromanaging is so hard to resist. So how can we stop doing it? Welcome to the TED Business Podcast. I'm your host, Madhupa Akinola. In today's talk from TED at BCG Toronto in 2018, Che Huang illuminates the downsides of micromanaging and the upside of giving people around you a greater sense of control. And if your boss is a micromanager, it just might help you understand how to work better with them. Che is the co-founder and CEO of Boxed.com, an online and mobile retailer that direct delivers bulk-sized packages. He started this company in his parents' garage, and it now has revenue of over $100 million. He's also hilarious. So enjoy how he tells the story of micromanagement through his own mistakes and listen for how he sums up the antidote to micromanagement in a single word. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends, then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is, or customize to better fit your investing goals, all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. 
Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. What I'm really here to do today is talk to you about micromanagement and what I learned about micromanagement by being a micromanager over the last few years of my life. But first off, what is micromanagement? How do we, how do we really define it? Well, I posit that it's actually taking great, wonderful, imaginative people like all of you, bringing them in into an organization and then crushing their souls by telling them what <laughs> font size to use, you know? And so in the history of mankind, has anyone ever said this, John? We were never going to close that deal with Times New Roman. But because you insisted on Helvetica, bam, <laughs> dotted line, millions of dollars start to flow. That was the missing piece. No one's ever said that, right? There's actually physical manifestations that we probably see in ourselves by being micromanaged. Think about some of the most tired you've ever been in your life, right? It probably wasn't when you stayed the latest at work, or it wasn't when you came home from a road trip. It was probably when you had someone looking over your shoulder, watching your each and every move. Kind of like my mother-in-law when she's over, right? So, she, you know, I'm like, I got this, you know? And so there's actually data to support this. So there was a recent study in the UK. They took 100 hospital employees, put an activity tracker on them, and then let them go about their next 12-hour shift all alone, just a regular 12-hour shift. At the end of the shift, they asked them, do you feel fatigued? And what they found was actually really interesting. So it wasn't necessarily the people who moved the most that felt the most fatigued, but it was the folks that didn't have control over their jobs. So if we know that micromanagement isn't really effective, why do we do it? So is it that the definition is wrong? So I posited that, you know, Micromanagement is just bringing in great, wonderful, imaginative people and then crushing their souls. So is it that we actually want to hire, deep down inside of us, dull and unimaginative people? I don't know. It's one of those questions you probably don't even need to ask, right? It's like, do you want to get your luggage stolen at the airport? It's like, probably not. And so why do we do this still then? Well, I posit that it's something really, really simple that all of us deep down inside know and have actually felt. So when we get hired into an organization, it could be a club, it could be a, a law firm, it could be uh, a school organization, it could be anything. No one ever jumps to the top of the totem pole, right? You start at the very bottom. Doing what? Doing work. You actually do the work, right? And if you're really good at doing the work, what do you get rewarded with? More work, right? And so you do, yeah, that's right, you know, you guys are all great micromanagers. Uh, so <laughs> you do more work, and then pretty soon, if you're really good at it, you do a little bit of work still, but actually you start to manage people doing the work. And if you're really good at that, what happens after that? You start managing the people who manage the people doing the work. And it's at that point in time, you start to lose control over the output of your job. I've actually witnessed this firsthand. So I started a company called Box in Our Garage, and this was it. I know it doesn't seem like much, you know, but, uh, but it was, you know, it was pressure washing their back. This is living the dream. And, you know, my wife was really proud of me when we started this, or it's what she said, you know, she was really proud of me. And so she would give me a hug, and I'm pretty sure, like, she had her phone up, and she was thinking, oh, is 
John from Harvard still single? You know, it's kind of like a lemonade stand gone wrong in the beginning. But we actually went up and you know, said mobile commerce is going to be big. And actually, consumer packaged goods were going to change over time. So let's take these big, bulky packs that you don't want to lug home. So not the two pack of Oreo cookies, but the 24 pack. And not the 24 pack of toilet paper, but the 48 pack. And let's ship it to you, much like a warehouse club would do, except they wouldn't ship it to you. And so that's what we basically did. And so we had a really slow printer, and what we did was actually say, okay, this printer's taking forever, man. Like, okay, let's scribble something that would delight the customer on the back of these invoices. So we'd say, hey, you know, keep smiling, you know, hey, you know, like, you're awesome, or hey, enjoy the Doritos, or, you know, we love Gatorade too, stuff like that. And so uh, it started breaking up the monotony uh, of, of the job as well, because I was picking and packing all the boxes. And that's all you basically do for eight, nine, 10, 12 hours a day when you're sitting in the garage. Uh, and so an interesting thing happened. So we actually started to grow. Um, and so, you know, over the last, actually, just even 36 months after that, we ended up selling hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stuff. And we actually grew really, really quickly. But during that time, my role started to change too. So uh, yes, I was a CEO in the garage. I was picking and packing, doing all the work. But then I actually graduated to actually you know, managing the people who picked and packed. And then pretty soon, I managed the people who managed the people picking and packing. And even now, I manage the C-staff who manage the departments, who manage the people who manage the people picking and packing. And it was at that point in time, I lost control. So I thought, okay, we were delighting all these customers uh, with these notes, right? They loved them. But I can't write these notes anymore. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell these folks how to write these notes. And so what pen to use, what color to use, what you should write, what font you should use, don't mess up the margins, you know, this has to be this big, this has to be that big. And pretty soon this goal of raising morale uh, by breaking up the monotony in the fulfillment center actually became micromanagement. And people started complaining to HR, it's like, dude, the CEO guy, he's got to get out of my hair, okay? I know how to write a damn note, okay? Um, so it was at that point in time, uh, we said, okay, you know? Uh, we hired these great, wonderful people. Uh, let's give them the mission that's to delight the customer. Let's give them the tool to do so, and that's these notes. Have at it. And so what we found was actually pretty startling. So some folks actually took the notes and actually started drawing these really ornate, uh, like mini murals on them. Uh, you know, when folks ordered diapers, you'd get really fun notes like this, you know, say hi to the baby for us. And, you know, the next size up, you know, if you bought a bigger size, they'd write, you know, um, growing up so fast. And so people really, really took to it. Um, but it was at that time that it also went off the rails a few times. And so we had someone just writing THX, THX all the time. And it's like, all right, dude, you know, like my boss used to write that to me. And so let's not write THX anymore. Um, but you also had interesting things on the other side. People got a little too creative. And so, like I said before, we sell everything in bulk, right? The big packs of diapers, big packs of toilet paper, the big packs of Doritos and Oreo cookies. Um, we also sell the big packs of contraception. And so, yeah, ooh, this is, gonna, this is getting a little hairy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we sell the 40-pack of condoms, right? We're all adults in this room, you know, 40-pack of condoms. And so someone ordered four 40-packs of condoms. <laughs> and that's all they wrote, or all they, all they ordered. So 160 condoms, the packer was like, well, I know how to delight the customer, you know? <laughs> like, this, you know, like, this guy, this is, you know, this is what they wrote. <laughs> Everyone loves an optimist. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. We didn't know to fire him or to promote him, but he's still there. But here, here is when it went a little bit off the rails, and I felt a little bit uh, conflicted in all of this. And, 
At this point in time, we started doing things that actually weren't part of our core mission, and people started failing at it. And so I thought, man, it's, should we let them fail? Should we continue to let them do this? I don't know. I, 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 I didn't know at that moment. But I thought this, is failure really that bad? I mean, I'm not saying we should celebrate failure. There's a lot of talk in Silicon Valley that says, let's celebrate failure. No, I, I don't know if we go all the way there because like, you know, in our board meetings, like our board members are never like, hey, Che, you failed last quarter. Keep doing that, buddy, okay? You know, like no one's ever said that. If you're part of an organization like that, give me a call. I want to sit in on that meeting. And so in private, I don't think many people celebrate failure, but actually failure, I posit, is actually pretty necessary for the folks truly in the long term, for the smart and imaginative people truly trying to fulfill the mission that you give them at hand. And so failure can actually be seen as a milestone along that mission towards success. And if so the downside of not micromanaging is potentially this perceived notion that you might fail more often, and if it's really not that bad, what is the upside? Well, we saw the upside, and it's pretty great. So we tasked our engineers and said, hey, you know, our, some of our fulfillment centers cost millions of dollars to build. There's miles and miles of conveyor. And so can you do the same thing? Can you make them efficient without spending millions of dollars? So they got to work. They actually did this. You know, it's not Photoshop. The guy's like really grinding. It's like they built an autonomous guided vehicle. We didn't tell them what to build, what format it needed to be. In 90 days, they produced the first prototype, powered off Tesla batteries, stereoscopic cameras, LiDAR systems. It basically replicates the efficiency of a conveyor belt without the actual capex of a conveyor belt. So it doesn't actually just stop with engineers. Our marketing team department, we told them, hey, you know, uh, get the word out, do the right thing. So we have this wonderful lady by the name of Natasha on the marketing team. She stopped me in the morning. She's like, Che, what are we doing about the pink tax? I went and got my coffee and I, said, I sat down and I said, okay, Natasha, what is this pink tax? And so she told me it's really interesting. So some of you might know that actually in states across America, we actually charge a luxury good tax on women's products like feminine care products. So tampons and pads are taxed like luxury good items. So I would never dare call my wife, or if she called me and said, hey, hon, bring some pads on the way home. And I said, babe, you know, there's a trade war going on. The economy's not that good. So, you know, no luxury goods this month, but next month, I promise, you know, I'll take a look at it. You know, I've been single pretty quickly, right? Um, but what's, what's super interesting is now, we didn't tell them what to do, but now, working with finance, they rebate the tax back to customers all around the country that we unfairly have to collect. And so at this point in time, you might be thinking, okay, what is the real, real upside of not micromanaging? And it's this. I didn't do any of these projects. I didn't make the AGV. I didn't do the pink, Rethink Pink Tax campaign. I didn't do any of this. But I'm standing here on a TED stage taking all the credit for it. Uh, yeah, you know... <laughs> Like, this guy does nothing. He takes all the credit for it. He's a real CEO, this guy. He's really got it down, you know? <laughs> but the reality is this. I don't have the CEO thing down 100% pat, but I've actually learned the most fundamentally challenging lesson I've ever had to learn, and that's this. There is only one solution to micromanagement, and that's the trust. Thank you. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary 
with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Trust. A simple word that's so hard to put into practice. Let go and trust the bright and imaginative people you've hired. Let go and trust the people you've created. Yes, you micromanage your children. Let go and trust your spouse, your in-laws, as Che mentioned, but we won't go there. Where I do want to go is to the research Che cited on hospital employees that showed that when people felt they had control over their jobs, they were less fatigued. But let's take it one step further and explain the relationship between control and stress. Let me tell you about a study where the research team of Gary Sherman and Jen Lerner measured the stress hormone cortisol in leaders and non-leaders. They defined leaders as people who were responsible for managing others and non-leaders as those who did not manage anyone. You might think that leaders have more stress than non-leaders because of their powerful positions, demands on their time, lots of responsibility. But these researchers found the opposite. Leaders had lower stress levels and lower levels of self-reported anxiety than non-leaders. Why? The researchers concluded that it was likely because they had a greater sense of control. They felt like they had greater autonomy and authority for making decisions. The key point I'm trying to make is that when you stop micromanaging and give people a sense of control, you're reducing their stress, which frees them to lead frees them to come up with innovative solutions, frees them to exhibit the qualities you hired them for. And there is tons of research showing that this kind of trust generates greater performance and creativity. I have an extreme example for you. Have you ever watched House of Cards? Do you actually know that the CEO of Netflix, Reed Hastings, didn't even know about the $100 million deal to remake House of Cards until his chief content officer, Ted Sarandos, completed the deal. Sarandos had the freedom to prioritize original content and invest in what he thought was the best show. And House of Cards ended up being the most watched show on Netflix, which played a huge part in the company's success. Okay, so let's say you're not a CEO. In fact, you may be the one being micromanaged and you want to get your manager to stop breathing their hot breath on you, to get them to trust you. Well, here are a few ways to build trust. Be consistent in what you do and say. Ensure your communication is frequent and rich. Make sure you and your manager have aligned visions. Develop a connection by discussing non-work-related topics if you feel comfortable doing so. And make sure they know your expertise and your limitations. Let them know you have a wellspring of creativity bubbling up inside of you, and this creativity can flow more freely if they lay off a bit. And if you're a boss and someone says that to you, go ahead and give it a shot. Believe them and give them what they need to let their creative juices flow. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. TED Business is hosted by me, Madupa Akinola, Associate Professor of Management at Columbia Business School and Director of the Sanford C. Bernstein & Company Center for Leadership and Ethics. 
Grace Rubenstein is our producer. The show is edited by Sheena Ozaki and mixed by Dan DeZula. Special thanks to Colin Helms, Michelle Quint, Angela Chang, Corey Hajim, and Anna Phelan. Talk to you next week. <laughs>